Thank you, God. You are always working, Jesus said. And Jesus, and then you said, I, and I am all, always working. And so, Lord, we thank you. You're always speaking. You're always working. You're, there's things you want to do today in our hearts. And so we just say, Lord, we're open. Come speak to us, God. Remove our fear of approaching you. Help us to find your love this morning that you're always pouring out on us. Thank you, God. Amen. All right, you can have a seat. I'm going to start a little game here. Okay? Thank you for that. Probably won't be that fun, but we'll try. Okay. This is going to be kind of like name that tune except with a quote. All right? So I'm going to read one word at a time, and I don't want you to shout out the answer. I repeat, do not shout out the answer. Okay? So I'm going to read it one word at a time, and then just in your mind, you can see how many words it took you to recognize the quote. Okay? Is everybody ready? This is fun. It's like school. It's good. Okay. Life moves pretty fast if, that was the fifth word, you don't stop and look around, sorry, once in a while, you could miss it. Okay, raise your hand if you got it. Oh, wow. Okay, I was thinking it was going to be every hand in the room. I've just culturally dated myself, maybe. Okay. Life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. All right, name that tune. Yes, Bueller. 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 I think he's homesick. Okay. Obviously, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, okay? I have always had a strong distaste for that movie. The guy breaks the rules and gets away with it. My little ISTJ heart, right, processes life through this grid of, he's not following the rules. You can't do that. He needs to be punished, right? Do the right and logical thing that leads to no fun for anyone, okay? Today, actually, we are going to talk about money. Now, we interact with money all the time. We spend it, we earn it, we invest it, we save it, we worry about it, we blow it, we give it, we lend it, we borrow it. People are interested in learning about how to manage money. There's a reason people know the name Dave Ramsey. This morning, I was, I was reading an article it was actually a transcript of a podcast. Okay, sorry, I thought that was kind of funny. It's kind of dorky, but to be reading instead of you can be listening to a podcast. All right. It was the podcast of Freakonomics. It was about uh, investing in stocks, and the thesis or the idea of the article was uh, it's actually not wise to pay someone to manage your funds. It's more, it's, it's more, uh, it's a better approach to buy what's called an index fund, which is much cheaper to buy, which is just kind of an average of all that the market is doing, one of the markets is doing. Okay, I don't know a lot about finance, but that's my best explanation of understanding this. Okay? The point was is that no one can really beat the system, except if your name is Warren Buffett, basically. There's a very small percentage of people 
that are such skilled investors that they really can kind of beat the market. So the, the name of this, if you want to look it up, was uh, The Stupidest Thing You Can Do With Your Money. And it was just making this case to hire someone to manage your assets in the stock market is not a, a, an interesting thing. So people are interested in reading that, right? I was doing that at, you know, 6 o'clock in the morning, reading this article about, you know, investing in money. But that all changes when we get to church. I'm curious what your reaction was as soon as I said, today we're going to talk about money. Right? Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's guilt. Maybe it's fear of a guilt trip. Maybe it's suspicion. You know, I'm going to pass the plate two more times and I'm going to put the money in my pocket. Right? But the Bible doesn't ignore it. In fact, it has, a, it has a lot to say about it. Jesus had a lot to say about it. Which, in some ways, if this whole following Jesus thing affects every part of our life, money is a huge part of our life. So we're starting a series today called Money Matters. And for the next four weeks, we're going we're to talk about money. And the goal is to use our money well and not be ruled by it. And here's what we're going to do. Today we're going to talk about the rule. Next week we're going to talk about the reward. The next week, the November 12th, we're going to talk about the restraint, what holds us back often. And the last week we're going to talk about, hey, what are we going to do in response? Do you like that alliteration there? It's a classic preaching move. Okay. So today the question is, thank you Ferris Bueller for highlighting life's not all about rules, but the question is, what is the rule when it comes to money and the church. What's God expect? And, you know, what are we supposed to do if we are saying, okay, I'm a Christian and I want to follow Jesus. What's Jesus saying about your money? Okay? To answer that question, we're going to look today at a book uh, of the Bible written by St. Paul or the Apostle Paul to a group of people in this city called Corinth. And this is the second time that he's written to them. And basically what we're picking up on is kind of what's in the background story is uh, there's people around Jerusalem, these followers of Jesus that have been persecuted actually back in the day by Paul himself, but now by the Jewish leaders, and they're, they're kind of in financial trouble. And so Paul, all these churches that he's planted, he's kind of connecting with them and asking them to, to take a collection that he can bring or some of his associates can bring to help these people out, Okay. That's kind of what's going on. The church in Corinth was actually a wealthy, wealthy city and a, and a pretty wealthy church. And Paul actually talks about how he, when he went there, he didn't accept money from them because they had kind of a, a weird thing with money going on. They almost wanted to like sponsor him in a way of like, if, he, if they paid him, that he would be, they'd be over him, and so to speak. So he didn't accept any money from them actually when he was there. To kind of make the point of like, hey, I am your spiritual father. I'm in spiritual authority over you. And he's able to speak into their money issues with that place of authority because he's not even taking any money from them. Okay? So that's kind of the, the context. We're going to pick up in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. If you want to turn there, that's fine. That's great. If you want uh, to follow along with me, it'll be on the screen as well. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Now, he's actually, we're, we're, this is a long section. It, it, it really starts in chapter 8, but I'm just going to focus on this one chapter, and, and hopefully you'll, you'll key in as I try to catch you up to speed here on what's happening. 2 Corinthians 9, chapter 1. 
Now it is superfluous for me to write to you about the ministry for the saints. For I know your readiness, of which I boast about you to the people of Macedonia, saying that Achaia has been ready since last year, and your zeal has stirred up most of them. But I am sending the brothers so that our boasting about you may not prove empty in this matter, so that you may be ready as I said you would be. So Paul was kind of saying, hey, Corinth, they're ready to give. He's kind of bragging on them. They're going to totally take part. And he's saying, hey, you know, don't let me down here. I was kind of counting on you to, to come through. I've, I've kind of built you up for them. Otherwise, if some Macedonians come with me and find that you are not ready, we would be humiliated to say nothing of you for being so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead of, to you and arrange in advance for the gift you have promised so that it may be ready as a willing gift, not as an exaction. Pause there. A willing gift, not as an exaction. All right, verse 6. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he who has distributed freely has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but it's also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you, thanks be to God for His inexpressible gift. All right, what's the rule? What is the rule for a Christian when it comes to money? What is God's expectation? What does God say we have to do when it comes to the church, poor people, missionaries living in a foreign land? Here's the rule. Give what is in your heart. That's it. And that's not really a rule. Give what is in your heart. Let me just read verse 7 again. Well, verse 5. It may, not, it may be reading as a willing gift, not as an exaction. Verse 7, each one must give as he has decided in his heart or her heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. God loves a cheerful giver. So I'm going to argue something now that is somewhat controversial in the church, and I'm going to say this. As my opinion, I would say we are not bound to a tithe system. If you don't know what that means, awesome. If you do know what that means, it's a practice that comes from the Old Testament where the nation of Israel was actually required to give three tithes every year. It was a complicated system that had part to do with the government, part to do with a social network of taking care of widows and orphans, and part to do with um, you know, the worship and celebrations that they were to, to celebrate as a nation, as a group of people. Okay? 
Now, some may argue this and make a, make a strong case from the Bible that that is something that Christians are still to do today, and I'm saying I do not think it is. The main reason is that it's part of the old covenant, and that is gone. We are under a new covenant, and the rule of the new covenant is really simple. It is the new command that Jesus gives, which is love one another as I have loved you. That swallows up all of the law and the prophets. It covers every base. Our lives are to be marked by an infusion of love from God. As we understand how he loved, that is how we are called to love one another. So one other thing I'll just, I'll just throw out there, because we don't have time to explain the entirety of, of why I would take this position. But we're not offering sacrifices at a temple anymore. We are not circumcising our children, or if we are, we're not doing it because of some kind of religious obligation to God. We are not children of Moses. The Bible says we're children of Abraham, who related to God as a friend and not as someone that was under law. Right? We're not under the law. Paul says that was a ministry of death. It's been done away with with Jesus on the cross. That's what he's done. We're in a new covenant where we have a relationship with God that is marked by intimacy, love, connection, hearing one another's voice, interacting. It's marked by freedom, joy, power to do what's right, and to love what is good, and to even love your enemies. That is an awesome covenant with God. It is awesome. Right? So our rule is love one another. And obviously that marks how we give. Okay? So the rule of giving, right, it's just, hey, money is just one more way that we love one another. So we give from a place of love and concern, people in the church, people out, outside of the church, okay? So if the rule is, hey, give whatever, whatever is in your heart, not under compulsion or some kind of obligation or guilt or something, the question then becomes, well, what's in your heart? And that's often the question that we want to avoid. What is really in here? But see, Jesus, he always goes for the jugular, right? He's never satisfied with just giving us some nice rules that we can follow and then ignore a relationship with him or the stuff that's going on in here that needs to get worked out. So, you know, the general principle that Jesus gives is, right, we, what, we, what we value is where we invest. Jesus said it like this. He said, right, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So where you put your treasure, your heart is naturally attracted to. And what you're attracted to, you naturally put money there. If I value working out, I may pay $150 a month to work out at CrossFit. Right? That's a lot of money, but if it's worth it to me, Right? If, I'm, if I'm gaining community there, building relationships, I'm getting more fit, it's energizing me to work, I'm more productive, I'm willing to throw some money at that because it, it, it's something that I value. Right? The general, we, we always operate that way. Now, one thing I want to I mention is that what's interesting in the passage is it doesn't say, it doesn't even say, ask God how much you should give and then give that. I think even in recent history, that's kind of where I've been. Okay, God, what do you want me to give? I actually think we are free. We are just free to give whatever we want. We're free. 
God is up there just saying, what do you want to give? Obviously, his hope is that our hearts will overflow with generosity and invest in the things that he really cares about. So it's, 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 it's totally different, right? God's just up there going, okay, what do you want to do? It's your money. I've given it to you, right? I've, I've given you skills, a job, you know, whatever. Whatever amount that you have, we recognize everything comes from God. And God's just saying, what would you like to do? That is totally freeing. There's no guilt. There's no obligation. There's no, there's no shame because you didn't. It's just free. But what it is doing is it's building responsibility into us. Because God wants us to grow up into the fullness of Jesus. He wants us to be a responsible people. Able to be wise about investing money. Making more money. Being really good at jobs and making a lot of money. Those are not bad things. Yes, taking a vow of poverty is holy. But so is making lots and lots of money. Right? Usually most of us probably pray and hope for the second one. Right? Okay? But it's not like one of those is more holy than the other. God's God's given it to us. He wants us to learn how to manage it well. So we're not relating to God as the boss, as the taskmaster, the hard one that we've got to get every single directive from in our life. Now, obviously, sometimes God leads us directly. We see that in the Bible. Philip, go up to the road. Philip, get in the chariot. Philip, I'm going to teleport you somewhere else, right? Paul, don't go into that area. Then he has a dream. Come over to Macedonia. There's specific directions. But it's not like he got that in every circumstance. Paul was just going, all right, I want to go to this city. I'm going there. I'm going to this city. I'm going there, right? There's a mix of that, of freedom and then also following Jesus. Earlier this week, uh, my family were moving this weekend to a uh, winter rental. Long story, and I'm sorry to be always talking about where we're living, but it's kind of what we're experiencing right now, okay? And so this, this awesome family, the Nims, who some of you may know, is letting us live in their house for the winter. They're going to be out in Ohio with their kids. And so we're checking it out. And the boys, we biked over. It's close to where we live now. And they had the bikes. And so we went into the house. They dropped the bikes in front of the house. And we came back out. My son Sam has just learned to, to ride a pedal bike. And Wes is still going. He's the younger one. He's still going on one of those balance bikes. All right? So we come back out, and Sam was just for whatever reason, tired of doing the pedal bike. He's still learning. It's hard for him to get started. He's got to, you know, he's got to get a little push half the time to get going. And so he grabs his old bike. It, it is his. I mean, technically, I guess it's still his, but Wes has been riding it. And so obviously, Wes comes out. He can't ride the pedal bike, and he starts to get upset. And so I start talking with Sam, and he's just kind of like, no, I'm not. I'm using it, you know, totally just like, you know, you know as a parent, it's like, okay, we are hitting a wall here. He is not listening to every one of these, like, tricky parent tactics of negotiation. Okay, so I just stop and I'm like, okay, I can go the hard line here and give them the consequence, which, you know, sometimes I do that, but I just paused because I was in one of those places like, okay, I don't know what to do. And to be honest, I didn't pray or do anything holy in that moment. I just was like, all right, I'm just tired. I don't know what to do. Wes, I'm just going to stand with you and try to feel what you're feeling, buddy. This is disappointing. I'm not sure how to manage this without a huge blow up in front of these people we're going to be renting from, Okay. Like a minute later, Sam comes over and goes, here you go, Wes. And I was like, jaw drop, eyes wide open. I haven't, you know, that was incredible. That was like a, you know, one out of 50 moment, you know. 
And he goes, he just, Sam just said to me, I, said, I was like, I, I might have said, what happened? He said, oh, I asked Jesus, and he just said, it would be really kind if I gave Wesley the bike. So I'm going to do it. You live for that as a parent. I was like, oh, my gosh, I don't even think I taught you that. That is awesome, you know? So I just was like, that is, and then he was just off. He just, like, jumped on the pedal bike, and he was off riding. This is what we are living for as parents, is to see our kids finally get it. If we tell them a hundred times, like, put your pajamas in the drawer when you get up, right? You know, throw this thing away. You're nagging them all the time, trying to get them to do it on their own. Is it any different with God? If he's a good father? No, he's made us to be free. He wants us to learn how to use this stuff. He's not always just, we're not just always waiting for the answer from heaven. We're moving things forward out of a place of freedom, knowing that God's blessing everywhere we go. And if we need directions because we're confused, we can get wisdom from heaven. It's a promise from the Bible. It's like right there, black and white, James chapter 1. And if we're, we are going the wrong way, he's going to shift us. He's going to move. He's going to show it to us. We're free. We are free. We don't have a hard taskmaster as a God. We have a loving Father who wants us to learn and grow up and become more and more responsible and be able to manage more and more. Right? Who's, he who's faithful with little, right, will be entrusted with more. Now, it's not a guarantee you're going to get rich if you give a lot. It's just, there, but there is a sense of something spiritual that God is entrusting to us. We want our kids to do that, right? So all this, this idea about, you know, give what is in your heart. I heard a guy named Todd White tell a story once, on a, just watching a kind of a YouTube, you know, video of a teaching that he did. And if you don't know anything about Todd White, he's kind of, you know, crazy evangelist, uh, really into praying for people and seeing a lot of people get healed physically. He told this one story about how he was, he was, he was like hanging out with his with family, friends or something. He went down this water slide and somehow it just like got this weird tweak and totally messed up his shoulder to the point where it was like it was immobilized, tons of pain. And this is a guy that believes it's always God's will to heal. You know, like God's always wanted to heal. He's seen tons of people get healed. And his wife's kind of going like, you know, see, you know, what's up with your shoulder? You know, kind of like just doubting that. I mean, that's a hard, that's a hard thing to believe. So, he just, he just, God gave him this, this picture that God's sitting up in heaven and he's just looking at Todd and he's going, okay, what are you going to do? What are you going to do when your experience does not match up with your theology? What are you going to do? What are you going to do, Todd? I'm just, just watching just to see. Not that it was a test, but just God is just saying, hey, Todd, you know, we're always fighting, right, for the truth of the Bible to be made reality in our lives for our experience to not dominate us, but what God's Word says. And so he just, what did he do? Did he stop praying for people to be healed because he didn't get healed? No! He just went full steam ahead, right? He's praying for people, praying for people. And then he said, all of a sudden, just in one instance, he said, hey, my shoulder is better. He did not let his experience determine his reality. Now, the whole point of that story is just, I just think it's the same thing for us with money. God's just saying, hey, what are you going to do? You're free. What are you going to do? What's in your heart, Brian? What's in your heart? Where do you want to invest? How much do you want to give? And again, right, it's God's delight when we invest in what he values. That's our perspective shift, is when I give, it's an opportunity to bless God. 
to say, wow, you valued what I valued. You valued me. You valued people around you. You value the poor, right? All of these things. That's the shift. That's the rule. It's not. It's just a relationship with God where we're free to do what we want with our money. And God's saying, and what's in your heart? And he's wanting more and more of his heart to be in ours. God loves a cheerful giver. It blesses him when we're generous. It just does. It lights him up. The smallest thing of like sharing a sandwich with a homeless person that you wanted to keep for yourself, right? To giving money to support the church or, you know, funding a missionary or, you know, supporting a compassion child. It's lighting God up. He's totally positive, right? Okay, I'm belaboring the point. Let's move on. So, is there any obligation at all for the people of God? Am I just, okay, we're just free to do whatever we want with our money? There's no obligation. Okay, well, there is one small thing, okay, that seems to be important for the church to do. And that is just this. We do have some kind of obligation to take care of those whose work is ministry. That does seem to be clear from the Bible. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 14 says, In the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. Jesus said, hey, the the worker is worthy of his provisions. That's in Matthew 10 when he sent out the 12. 2 Corinthians 11, 8. This is Paul now talking to the Corinthians. I robbed other churches by taking wages from them to serve you. In other words, he was kind of like a missionary to the Corinthians. He wasn't getting any support from them because he knew there were some issues there and he didn't want to in any way be seen as under their authority. But he was being supported by other churches so that he could do that ministry. 2 Corinthians 12. The only thing I failed to do, which I do in the other churches, was to become a financial burden to you. Please forgive me for this wrong. He's being facetious, but obviously making the same point. Okay? So it just seems like there is a biblical precedent for pastors being paid. I know that, you know, you can read some articles on the internet that are saying, no, you know, no pastor should be paid. You know, that's, that's wrong. Everyone should be bivocational. That doesn't seem to be what's in the Bible. Obviously, Paul did that sometimes, but also, as we just saw, he also accepted money from people at other times. He was a tent maker, so he was able to support himself in some ways, but obviously, that's a time-limiting factor, okay? Now, the biblical standard is also that they should not be impoverished, that ministers should actually be paid a decent salary. 1 Timothy 5.17, the elders who direct the affairs of the church are well worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. For Scripture says, do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain, and the worker deserves his wages. Now, the point of this is, hey, thanks, all right, yeah, I'll just double my salary. Praise the Lord. Okay, no, that's not the point, all right? The point is just, hey, the church for a long time has has not done a great job with this. And when pastors retire and they don't have any retirement, that's that's the church's problem, right? And not to say, okay, maybe the pastor should should have been saving themselves. Sure, it might be on them as well, Okay? But the point is, we shouldn't expect every person to take a call to poverty because they're going into ministry. And a person that is directing the affairs of the church well, it's not a bad thing if they're making a lot of money. Because guess, man, if, the, if anybody should be good at honoring God with their money, I mean, it should be the pastors, right? We should be living what we're talking about, okay? Now, just to give some transparency here, in Antioch, we have kind of a, a little bit different of a salary scale, and that's just because it comes from the top, and that is that we're all paid the same amount. There's no ranking of positions. It's all based on experience, 
So obviously if I've been in ministry 10 years, I would be making more than someone that's been making one year. But it's not like, okay, I'm the lead pastor, so I'm going to make way more than everybody else. I'm just, that's a, a decision that our movement has made of how to pay people and to honor people for longevity and not just because you're, you've risen to a certain position. That also takes away the factor of, well, I just want to rise up the ladder because then I'll make more money. It takes it off the table. We want every person in the right seat of where their gifting is, okay? So that's just what we do. And we base ours on the local teacher salaries in whatever area the church is in. So like when we came up with our salary structure, it was based on, okay, here's what teachers in the area make. That's kind of a median income line, and that's kind of what we're going for. If you want to know more about that, I'd love to give you some more transparency on that, but um, I don't have time this morning to go into all the details, okay? So all that to say, this is in some ways a corporate and an individual responsibility. Galatians 6 says, Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. Philippians 4, you yourselves also know, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel after I left Macedonia, no church share with me in the matter of giving and receiving, but you alone. Philippians are leading the way. For even Thessalonica, you sent a gift more than once for my needs. Not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek for the profit which increases to your account. But I've received everything in full and have an abundance. I am amply supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you've sent, a fragrant aroma of acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. Same theme. We're giving because it makes God happy. We're able to bless him, make him smile. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. We'll talk about that in two weeks. Okay? So that's kind of, that's kind of the deal. Right? If we don't support the local ministry, then it, kind of will, it will just fall apart. So there is some sense of that. But in terms of percentages, amounts, whatever, that is up to your heart what you want to give. Okay? Is there any biblical way to go about doing this? Right? Is there any way that's practical or helpful? Well, I think, lastly, I would just say regular giving as a percentage of your income seems to be somewhat of a biblical model, and obviously it's helpful for the church. So 1 Corinthians 16 says, Now about the collection for the Lord's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. So it's not just in this one place. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, so talking about some kind of a percentage, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. Then when I arrive, I will give letters of introduction to the men you approve and send them with your gift to Jerusalem. It seems advisable to me to go also. They all accompany me. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. The point is it seems like there's some, there's some idea here of setting aside a percentage that that's a healthy thing. Is this a command that they have to do that? I don't know. Whatever. Okay? The rule really is give what is in your heart. Do we need to support the local ministry? Yes. Individually and corporately, we have some responsibility to that. But what is that? I mean, is it the two mites of the widow? Maybe that is what it is for you. Is it giving a ton of money? I don't know, okay? We are walking in a relationship with God and where you are free to invest your money where you want. And God's hope is that you'll invest it in things that last forever, things that bless other people, that increase light on this planet and not just feed our own selfishness, okay? Now, regular giving, just as a practical thing, it's helpful for the church, right? We have a budget. We have to manage that budget. We're always analyzing that budget. If you've got a bulletin, you might have seen a budget update in that little handout thing. We're trying to communicate to you, hey, where we're at. So we made a plan for this year, $195,000. we are actually tracking like two twenty-five or two thirty. If everyone gives all their money in December, that makes it really hard to figure out like where we're going, right? But if you want to do that, great, okay? I mean, it's not, it's not a rule. I'm just helping you understand kind of the reality of, of, of what's going on in some transparency. So our desire is just to manage the budget well, get the right amount of staff to move the kingdom forward in this area. 
right? That's the goal. That's what we're doing with the money. Our hope is to see transformation in this city and beyond. To see gospel saturation. To see the glory of God, the knowledge of the glory of God, fill the earth as waters cover the sea. What does that even look like? That's too incredible to even comprehend. But that is the kingdom of God. That is why Jesus came. He was a seed that was planted, and his kingdom is growing and expanding until it fills the earth. Right? It is a victorious, unshakable kingdom. The kingdom of light will not lose to the kingdom of darkness. Right? Light shines in the darkness. The darkness cannot comprehend it. We are moving things forward. And, and to the best of our ability in this church, if you want to throw in with us, we would love to throw in with you. Right? We want to be good users of the money that you're giving. We want to be, try to be as wise as possible. Use it in the best way. Be transparent about all of that. That's why we give mail out like yearly reports. You can see where all the money went, all that stuff. If you ever have any questions about money, we're transparent. Okay? Ask some of our elders. You can ask me. We'd love to share it with you. Okay? Let's have the band come back up. Guys, the place to leave today is to throw off guilt and shame. That ain't a part of God's kingdom. God doesn't use those. Guilt is not from God. He doesn't guilt us. He has set us free to grow up to become responsible. Right? The rule is give what's in your heart. That's what, that's what the deal is when it comes to money. What is in your heart? So the real question is, what's in our hearts? Right? What is in our hearts today? Is there a place of something that God's saying, you might want to work that out with me a little bit? So that's kind of the challenge response today, is just asking the Lord a simple question. Hey, is there anything in my heart today that's not of you? It may have nothing to do with money, but this is always what God is after. An intimate relationship with Him where we're led by His voice and we're walking in greater and greater levels of freedom, obedience, and releasing the power of God to transform a city. All right, let's stand and pray. Lord, we thank you that man, the, good, the gospel is good news. It doesn't get any better, God, than you offer us forgiveness for anything we've ever done by simply saying yes to Jesus, by putting our faith in him. And hey, if you've never done that, if you're here today and you're a little confused about all the stuff I've been talking about, here's what the Bible says. God loves you, and he wants a relationship with you. And he wants to forgive all the wrong things that you've ever done if you simply just say, I'm, I'm sorry, God, if you confess that to him and you say, Jesus, I want to follow you. I receive your forgiveness. Make me a son. Make me a daughter. It's that simple. Just encourage you today, if you've never done that, you can enter into God's family where you know God and you become his child just by simply telling God, I want to follow you. And Lord, for the rest of us, if we've been following you for a while, I just pray you'd speak to us, God. What's in our hearts today? We want to have a clean heart before you. We want to have a heart that's full of love and goodness, full of generosity, ready to bless you. If there's anything that's not there, if there's any lie, any deception, Lord, I just pray you'd, you'd bring it to the surface as we worship. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. It is so good to be free and following you. Amen.